Um, Romans chapter 12 is where we are heading. Um, coming off the hills, by the way, of a massive talk. Who was here last Sunday? It, awesome. Our attendance isn't super consistent because a hundred of you raised your hands. But not starting off strong, by the way, in the participatory thing. Okay, let's try that again. Who was here last Sunday? Okay, thank you. All right, so they're not going to ask do what I tell them to do. It's going to be a really, really great gathering. Um, we're coming off the hills of a massive talk. And I really do believe and, and hope and pray that our church will look different because of the talk our pastor gave last week. And I, I believe and I hope that our city could look and be different because of the talk that our pastor gave last week, that the gospel is not colorblind, that heaven is not colorblind. And uh, just cannot wait to see the ripple of that talk. Next week, he's gonna be, Louis's gonna be back with a, a new series, which I can't wait for, which leaves me the opportunity to really speak into uh, anything that I sense that Louis and I together, as we're, we worked on this talk and talked it through, just what's the need of the people of our church? What does God want to say? Not just what's a good talk or what will entertain, but is, is there a word? And that's what I've had to wrestle with and carry for the last couple of weeks is with the chance to be God's mouthpiece, what would he want to say? And, and, and to be honest, I, I wrestled even with the subject. This talk is a little bit more practical, a little bit out of left field, but honestly, it's the thing that I talk to people about the most. When they call me, as that one of their pastors of this church and they want to and people want to talk they want to advise they're struggling with something it's typically around this issue and so i just really felt led by god and um, moved by god to talk about something we all struggle with and either you're struggling with it right now or it's going to be sometime soon and it's the stress and the pressure of knowing god's will for your life that's stressful, isn't it? Just that thought alone. Does God have a will for our lives? Like the specific plans and how are we supposed to know it? What, like how are we supposed to figure out when his word doesn't clearly state in specific situations if we're supposed to go this way or that way, do this or do that? We've got these big decisions that we're facing and we would just really like some uh, certainty from God or some like a clear sign maybe or like a strong word from him. Audible voice would be fine with us to help us make these big decisions in our life. And I, I also believe that even right now, it, it's easy for us as the church to get caught up in how the world, all the decisions that the world is making and, and forget the importance of the choices and the decisions that you and I are making. And now more than ever, we need to be thinking about how we're living and the decisions that you and I are making. Is anybody facing a big decision in here or recently faced a big decision in here? Um, possibly, you know, I think uh, maybe a career change or you would like a career change, you wish there was an option for a new career for you because you currently hate where you're at. Maybe it's when you should retire or if you'll ever get to retire, anybody? You don't have to participate if you don't want to. I take all that back from the beginning and just sit there and stare at me, that's fine. Um, wondering where to go to college, getting close to graduation, anybody in the house? At Texas A&M, it will not, you know, you will be happy with the, going to the best college in the United States of America, in the world for that matter. 
Anybody wondering what to do after college? On behalf of your parents, I would like to say get a job. That would be the right thing to do. Uh, huh? You're already working. Okay, well, then why are you wondering what to do after college? Uh, <laughs> already got a job. People are like, ah, she's got an offer. She already has a job. I don't like her. Um, how to lead and raise your kids. Who to marry. If you'll ever get married. Who to ask out. Should you ask somebody out? Sometimes, men, you overcomplicate this, okay? It's just one date, all right? It's just a first date. Don't be afraid. Middle school guys that are, y'all are too young to be wondering this right here. <laughs> just that's on behalf of your parents as well. And then some of you are just stressing out about where to eat dinner. And that's like, like, I mean, come on, Chick-fil-A's closed on Sundays. And I might, I mean, I don't know, where should we go to dinner? Anybody stress out, stressing out over that right now? Okay. <laughs> so I want to talk about God's will for our lives. Does he have a will for our lives? Like a direction that he wants you and I to head, choices that he wants you and I to make. How do we figure that out? And to be honest with you, do we want God's will for our lives? Do you, do you want it? I mean, because you and I, we, we're pretty good at making plans, are we not? We're good about having dreams and knowing what we think our life should look like, what, how we all want things to turn out, how we want our life to be set up, our family, our job, our relationships, our friendships. Like, we're pretty good at coming up with a game plan. And, and why would we want God's will over our will? Because we got some pretty good dreams for our lives. I know for me, just before we dive into the verse, the two biggest um, stressors in my life or the big decisions that have constantly, that had caused me the most anxiety or just wondering the biggest, God, what's your will? What am I supposed to do? Were two things. It would be a career and who I was gonna marry. And the career side of things, I was torn, you know, growing up in high school and in college, I did feel a tug on my life to, to ministry. It was open to it. If that's where God was leading me, I was like, yeah, God, it, ministry could be a good option. But at the same time, I, my, my family had a business background. My sister was an accountant. My dad's an accountant. Like maybe business is more the opportunity. And my dream was actually to be the general manager, the team president of the Chicago Bears. Personally, I would like to think I could do a better job than their current management is doing, but that's just here nor there. It's been a rough uh, two decades, or it's been rough ever since I've been alive. Or if, <laughs> if the Bears didn't work out, then I was also interested in being a sports agent. So it was like ministry or sports, ministry or sports. And I was open, like I said, to ministry, but I did say on numerous occasions that I'm open to ministry, but I never want to be a student pastor. So if we haven't met, my name is Brad. I'm the student pastor at Passion City Church. And then on the other side was, okay, who was the one? You ever wonder that? Is there like, is there a one for me? There's like six billion, seven billion people on the planet. More than half of those are girls. And how are we supposed to find the one? 
And that, for me, when I was in high school, early college, I found the one, so I thought. And it did not end well, and it didn't feel good when it ended, to be honest with you. And, but I'd claimed, I thought she was the one. Fast forward a couple years later, I, I, then I found the one, right? I met the one, and I was like, this is it. This is who I'm gonna marry. Well, fast forward a couple years, that one didn't work out either. And I moved to Atlanta first week that I moved into town. I'm um, at a dinner table with some friends and I'm sitting there. I, I didn't know anybody had moved here to serve at Passion, be a part of the movement. I'm sitting across from this girl named Brittany and she was sitting next to her boyfriend, Brad. And I leaned over and I said, hey, that's the wrong Brad. I'm the right Brad. And I'm now married to the one named Brittany Jones. And I really wish I would have told that guy that he was the wrong Brad. I just didn't. But it makes for a better story. But I had plans for my life. I thought I knew how I wanted things to work out. And now as the student pastor at a church that I love with all my heart, married and doing life with, uh, with someone that I could not imagine doing life without. I'm, I'm so grateful that God's plans trumped my plans, that he was in charge. And man, this is what the proverb says, man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And I can trust that God's plan for my life has, is far superior than what my plan was because I'm so grateful for where he has me today. So that's the backdrop as we consider, as you consider what's God, God's will for your life. Romans chapter 12, verse one. Therefore, I urge you brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, it's a big word. I'd circle that if I were you. I would camp out in that. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is then you will be able to understand more clearly. Then you will be able to figure out. Then you will be able to discern what God's will is for your life. And then it keeps going, it gets better. His good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. So you're wondering if God has something in store for you, what his will for your life is, what his plan for your life is, what your direct, his direction for your life is, or if you would love his advice, his direction, his instruction on some decisions you're making, then you gotta camp out in this verse and says, there's a way to figure out, you'll be able to test and approve and understand the will of God. But it starts with a process. It says, then... So that then means you gotta figure, you gotta do the thing that it's talking about first to experience what's coming next. And just briefly on this verse, the very first word, therefore, 
you've been coming around here for a while, you know to ask what that word is there for. And it's a hinge verse. It's one of the, the beautiful um, verses. I mean, the, all the verses are beautiful. They're breathed out by God, right? But as believers, as followers of Jesus, we should cling to these verses and be so grateful for them because it's a hinge connecting what God had just said through the Apostle Paul in all the book of Romans. And the first 11 chapters are full of who he is and what he's done in our lives. Romans chapter three says, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans chapter five says, so at the right time, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so he just keeps over chapter and chapter just saying, Here, here's what God's done in your life. Here's your standing. Here's your, you know, there's no condemnation, chapter eight. For those who are in Christ Jesus, you've been set free. Just keeps just reminding us of what Christ has done for us and in our lives. Romans 8 also, nothing, nothing will be able to separate you from the love of Jesus. And so then you get to chapter 12 and Paul takes a turn and he starts encouraging you and me. He starts encouraging the church how we should live. But how we should live is all, always in God's word comes after who we are. It's who we are, then it's what we should do. It's who we are, our identity, then it's the decisions and the choices that we should make. Because if you and I, when we start just uh, following the crowd, going through the motions, doing what our parents are telling us to do, then there's no faith there. It's like what Grant was talking about. We haven't seen. But he says, therefore, because of who God is and what he's done, when you get his mercy in view, when you get his grace in view, then you're gonna wanna live your life as a response. Your giving, what we just talked about, your choices, your career, your relationships, the way you treat people, the way you think, the ambition you have for your life, it's all a response to God. He says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. The old way was to occasionally bring a sacrifice or sacrifices to the temple, but God's up the ante by sending his son Jesus. He said, no, it's more than that. Offer your bodies, not as a, like a pure spotless lamb had to be killed, but your body is a living sacrifice. The way that you live should honor God and be a response to him. Worship, is what it's saying here, is more than a song. Worship is more than attending a gathering occasionally or praying when we feel like it. But worship is living in such a way that God is honored and God is praised by the way that we live our lives. So offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Um, you and I, we wanna know God's will, but we only think about the outcome. And what this verse is talking about is we need to value the process of determining his will for our lives. And it starts when we're thinking about not just the big decisions, but when it's talking about offer your bodies, God's saying, what about your everyday decisions? 
you and I are really good at asking people what they think we should do, like what choice we should make for this next step in our career, in our life, in our journey. When's the last time we asked somebody how our like everyday lives are matching up with the faith that we proclaim to have? God's saying, hey, yeah, I wanna lead you in the big days, in the big moments, but I also wanna lead you in the everyday moments. Offer your whole lives, your everyday, your thoughts, your actions. We think about the outcome, but God's way more interested in the process. And that will open the doors for the outcomes that he has. Anybody got an iPhone in the house? Participatory, remember? Let's try that one more time. It's just to rewind. No, I pretend I did not ask this question already. And I just like some engagement with the crowd. Anybody have an iPhone? Thank you. Honestly, it's not that hard. You know, I don't know why I keep begging for it, but I'm not gonna do it anymore. It's not that hard. I'm gonna ask a question, they're not rhetorical. Just to make myself clear, put myself out there. Um, iPhones are amazing. They have changed our lives and they have made so many things like being able to check Instagram for hours upon hours and text nonstop and forget conversation with the people that you're around. It just made so many more things available to us, right? Except when we have issues with our iPhone. And talk about the worst of the worst. How are we supposed to operate in life when our iPhone goes down, smartphone goes down? And so that happened to me a couple months ago. I got the new iPhone and I go and a few things were wrong with it. Um, One, I would text, there was a few people that I texted frequently that every time I went to text them, my messages just crashed. It wouldn't let me text them. But what's even worse is I would go to the Chipotle app to, be, to put in my order so I didn't have to wait in line and I could pick it up as soon as I got there and pass all the other jokers, I couldn't open my Chipotle app. I mean, I'm not saying tragedy, I'm just saying it was, it was not very good time in my life, right? And it was, a, it was a struggle. But by the grace of God, I made it, I survived. I persevered, his grace was sufficient. So I went to the genius bar, set an appointment, cause that's what you have to do. You don't walk into the Apple store and not have an appointment. Oh no, you do not. So I had an appointment and I knew how this was all gonna work out because I just, I knew the solution. The guy didn't even tell me it was gonna be easy. I told him what was gonna happen. I showed him my issues and he was gonna give me a new phone. That's how I had planned it out in my mind. Also, side note, little asterisk, um, I had a few cracks on my iPhone, and so it would be a great time to get a new one. But it was really the Chipotle's texting thing, not the cracks, I promise. But I went in there, started telling the guy the issue, talking through the situation. He was like, and I was like, all right, man, now's the time, you go to the back. You got a ton of iPhones back there, bring me the new one, all right? He said, no, 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 no. It's not a hardware problem. It's a software problem. I was like, I don't care. I just want a new phone. (laughs) And he's like, no, no, no. A new phone won't fix your issues. It's the software, not the hardware. And I was like, no, it's I need a new phone for free. (laughs) That's the issue. We went back and forth. My blood pressure went up. My tone maybe didn't get so kind. I'm, not, I'm kidding about that. I'm a pastor. I can't admit to that on stage. And 
I did what I do frequently. I wasn't winning, and so I just decided to come back at a more opportune time, aka talk to somebody else and convince them of my cause. It's typically how I operate. So I was just like, hey man, no big deal, I'll come back later. And I made another appointment. We came a couple days later and there was a new guy. I was like, oh yeah, I got this guy. New phone, this is how it's gonna go down. It's real nice, smiled, told him the issues, walked through the whole process. And you'll never believe what he said to me. He looked at me, I was like, hey man, there's issues, need a new phone? Yeah, bro, it's a software problem, not a hardware problem. I was like, I know, duh. And he just kept telling me that and telling me that. And I was like frustrated, but because it wasn't working out how I wanted it to. And so I had to go and erase my phone and upload the whole new operating system to get rid of the bugs. And then now it's crazy. You know what? My phone works now and it doesn't crash and I can order Chipotle, praise the Lord. (laughs) Because I fixed the software. And I think when it comes to God's will for our lives, wanting to know his good, his perfect, his pleasing will, to let, have him lead us to the, I know the plans I have for you. That's a famous verse in scripture. Uh, the plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Like, yeah, I'll take that. That's what I want. But when we're struggling with a lack of fulfillment or uh, no, no satisfaction or things aren't going well or they're breaking down. I, I believe your issue and my issue, it can be traced back to a software problem and not a hardware problem. It's the operating grid of your life and not the circumstances of your life. You've been wired for a relationship with God but you and I care only about the circumstances of our lives. And so we need to think more about the, the process, the operating system, the grid, how we were made. That is essential to knowing God's will and walking in all that he has for us. And so as we, we work this out, I got a couple points for you. Hopefully they'll be practical and help you. Um, but the first is that our character trumps our circumstances. To know God's will, we must remember that our character matters more than our circumstances. And to be honest with you, this is kind of frustrating, is it not? Amen? Because our circumstances uh, are really what our lives revolve around and what we think about the most and what define us. But in the scripture, it says, don't conform, verse two, any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He says, and then that, the next verse is, then you'll figure out his will, but it starts with transformation. God's will for your life is to be conformed to the image of Jesus, that you and I, as we walk with him, as we live for him, after we put our faith in him and continue to walk by faith in him, we will become more and more like Jesus. That we would look more and more like his son and less and less like the rest of the world. It's our transformation that God is mostly concerned with. And he cares more about your transformation than your occupation. 
So therefore, you and I should value and care about our transformation just as much as we care about our occupation. Maybe that should go by us again. Or I'll say it in a different way. Who we are and who we are becoming is more important than what we do. So instead of thinking about obsessing over the next business deal or letting your career run your life or your identity being all caught up in how much money you make or the status that you've been able to achieve, we should up the pursuit of, our, of holiness in our life, up the desire to be transformed, up the desire to be changed by God from the inside out to look more like he wants us to look, to live more like he wants us to live, to be more like Jesus and less like the world because our character matters most to God. It's who you are more than what you do. And that's frustrating, like I said, because what's the second question you always have to answer? First one when you meet somebody is, what's your name? And the smart thing to do there is listen. That's why we forget many people's names because we actually weren't listening when they told us their name in the first place. And it's brutal when you've asked the same person their name 18 times, you still introduce yourself. We all know those people in our lives. But the second question, what do you do? But our job, our identity doesn't have to be found in our occupation. In fact, that's not where God wants our, us to find our identity. He wants us to find our identity in who we are in Him. That we are the redeemed, the set free, the made clean, the alive in Jesus Christ, the sons and daughters of a heavenly Father that sent His Son for you and I. That is who we are. And that should determine how we walk and how we live. Got any football fans in the house? So I'm from Texas. We uh, like to think that we're the home of the greatest high school football in the land. Any Friday Night Lights fans in the house? So we are, as Texans, the epicenter of high school football. Uh, maybe not, uh, we like to think so. We just are, Texans are a little bit cocky, are we not? It's the loudest I may, amen I've gotten all day. There's a, there's a stadium, a high school football stadium in a town called Allen, Texas, which is a growing suburb, much like probably Alpharetta around here. And it's home to one high school football team, suburb of Dallas, and it sits 18,000 people. And it cost the school district, or maybe the taxpayers in that school district, $60 million to build. A high school football stadium. Allen High School, check this out. This is the stadium. That, that's where a high school team, like 16 and 17 year olds, get to play on Friday nights. One more picture for you. Are you kidding me? It's like I got two decks on the home side. The most amazing high school football stadium on the, I mean, in the, in the world, I would imagine. But you know what's crazy about this? 
is it's really not known for being, it's not famous for how amazing it is or how much it costs or that it's the best in all the land. It became infamous because a little over a year after it was opened, they had to shut the thing down and couldn't use it because there were cracks throughout the entire structure. It cost few people their job. It cost an engineering firm almost $10 million to repair, and it sat vacant for over a season, for a couple of years, and it just now, it just reopened for a graduation a couple of years ago. And the issue was that the design couldn't support the demands, that there, the structure wasn't strong enough to hold up all that it was being asked to do. So yes, it looked amazing. Yes, it was beautiful. Yes, it was like the best, you know, state high school stadium, but it set empty because it, the structure wasn't strong enough. And the same is true for your character. Your, char- your talents and your gifts or your personality, or just getting by in life, that'll only take you as far as your character can uphold or sustain you. Because your character is the undergirding that holds up the decisions that you make in your life. That's why your character has to be so valuable to you. I'm, I'm thinking about the high school, middle school students that I get the chance to pastor. And it's like, I think you guys... If you're anything like me, just we're all wrapped up in circumstances and popularity and are, are people accepting of us and are we in the right places and with the right people. But you, if you just value more your character, it will take you further. I'll show you one more high school football stadium. Oh, I'm sorry, I, it just looks like a high school stadium. It's about the same as that, that Texas high school football, same. It's also weird that it's like, a, there's a lot of empty seats. What's wrong with UGA football? I mean, let me show you a real SEC stadium. There it is. The promised land. Kyle Field, the powerhouse of the SEC. don't sacrifice your character to improve your circumstances (laughs) somebody's just yelled that's right go to Georgia (laughs) that's weird that's not in my notes you read my mind though you know there are some things We stress about God's will for our lives, wondering what he wants us to do. And his word's really clear about a lot of things. What to do and what not to do. How to live and how not to live. What to add into our life and what to get rid of in our life. So I don't need to preach a list to you. You can just read his word. But I do know that there's people in here that are on the verge or currently in the mess of compromising your character to improve your circumstances. There are people with marriages that are crumbling, but you're compromising God's will for your marriage just thinking about the 
how to change the circumstance. God's will for your marriage is to love your wife, to lead your wife, to love your husband, to lead, you know, to serve your husband and be together and not just compromise his plan for your life to improve your circumstances. There's some of you that are on the verge of making a, a, a really harmful decision to your future and to your soul. Because you just think, man, if the circumstances were different, then it'd all be different. No, that's the software problem, right? It's like, that's not the issue there. Our talents will only take us as far as our character can, can sustain us. It's also good news if our character trumps our circumstances for the people in the house who are in crummy circumstances. Because I by no means wanna be up here acting like, if you follow God, everything's gonna be okay. It's all gonna be perfect. It's just all gonna work out every single time. And you know, just walking around with a halo around your head and a smile on your face, because everything's awesome. How are you doing? Awesome, man. It's awesome, things are great, couldn't be better. Because there's circumstances that are not great. And far from, I read this word and you're like, that's eh, a long way from good, pleasing and perfect. If you knew what I was going through, if you knew what I was walking through, if you knew the circumstances I were in. And so be encouraged that character matters more to God than circumstances. In fact, remember his word is clear that he uses the hard times to prepare us for the best times. He uses the hard times with a beautiful purpose of forming our character so we can experience what he has for us in the future, that we would be stronger, that we would be able to hold up against the pressure and against the wind. So, so don't sacrifice your character. Don't devalue it but cling to it, long for it, long to be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Uh, one more story that illustrates this. I don't really like to talk too much about my athletic achievements, although there, there, there are a lot of them. I just, <laughs> as a pastor, I'm, I'm, I feel like I need to lead the way in being humble, right? And so, is it okay if I just tell you one quick athletic story? I mean, I know you can tell that I'm an athlete, you know, it's like, Surely that guy has a lot of stories. And I know, I just, I have to walk humbly. But I was a track star at a point in my life. And I don't know why people are already laughing. <laughs> that was not funny. Just stay, I was a track star. And I was competing to qualify for the, the biggest track meet that we could qualify for. And I was in, again, hate to admit it, hate to brag, I was in the premier race and it was the relay race and I was the anchor. I was the one charged with finishing the meet and bringing us to victory. And so it was the fifth grade mixed relay race. So it's the fifth grade mixed relay race. Two guys, two girls. I don't know why they call it mixed. That's really weird coming out of my mouth that they did. And we were trying to make it to the all school track meet and represent our fifth grade class. 
And I had won it, my team had won it the year before. So it was just kind of like, why would anybody else in our class compete with us? They would just say, hey, Brad, you and your team, y'all should you know, represent our class in the track meet. And I mean, again, I'm like, I know we should, but I won't announce that to everybody. But there was another team, another two joker guys and two joker girls that thought they could compete with us. And so in PE one day, we had to compete to see who would represent our class. Guys, what is funny about this? <laughs> Trying to share the gospel and talk about character. And so we, the race starts, first leg, someone on the other team trips and falls and we smoke that other team. I mean, it wasn't even close, amen. And we earned the right to be in the all-school track meet. Except for our lame PE teacher thought we should redo the race because some girl tripped and fell. I'm like, this isn't upward, okay? <laughs> we, we need to teach kids that not everything's gonna work out, that they will fail and they gotta pick themselves up. They can't get catered to, amen? I guarantee you that girl is not stronger because of the, the PE teacher, you know, just catered to her failings in life and gave her another chance. Sorry, I just lost my mind for a minute. So we, re, we had to redo the race and then we get, we're doing it again, that girl, whatever. And we come on the last leg and by the time that the baton comes to me, we are behind, significantly behind. And my track career was hanging in the balance. <laughs> and so I analyzed the situation, considered all the things that I should do, wasn't sure if I was gonna be able to catch up and so I did what anyone else would have do, done. I tripped and fell. <laughs> I crashed and burned and just like, let's redo it. She fell, I fell, so let's, you know, try it again. Apparently I'm not that great of an actor. And he knew that I was faking it, <laughs> that I'd purposely fallen to try to get another shot at it. And uh, <laughs> I haven't ran a track race since, okay? That was the peak of my athletic career. But you and I, if we're not careful and we don't think about our character and pursue holiness and what, what we say to be really an overflow of what we really believe, if there's no character, then we're gonna crash and burn eventually. We got disqualified. And so don't disqualify yourself from some amazing opportunities that God has for you because your character couldn't hold up to the pressure and to the circumstances. So value the refining process, value you know, the sharpening and the shaping, especially through the hard times because God's trying to build you into someone, not just to prepare you for something. 
He said, be transformed. You want my will for your life? It's to be transformed. And I also know all of us have made decisions that we regret. And that's when we just remember that, like the PE t-shirt for that first girl, there's grace. And God has grace for you. And he has grace for me. No matter what you've done, we can just get back on our feet and keep running and continue to walk in what he has for us. It's character over circumstances. I'm gonna go quick on these last one, the last few things. To help us walk in God's will for our lives, we have to remember it's faith that moves the heart, heart of God. Or another way to say it, how you make decisions is just as important or more important than the decision that you make. God's looking down. He's wanting to see people that are living by faith. And so when we come to a left or right decision, a decision that's not specified in his word, there's a few different ways that we can make decisions. You might be a, a, a guy or a girl that likes to flip coins and I'm just gonna see which way it lands and do this or that. You might be someone that takes a poll. Don't get the answer you want. This is me. I'm gonna just take another poll. Or you could be a pros and cons list, look for the signs, you know, hope for an audible voice of the Lord. But he's like, no, he's really looking down. He's like, I'm just looking for people living by faith. And when they make a decision, when they take a step, it's what's their motivation? What is their operating grid? What is the fuel? Is there faith in that for you? Is there a desire to honor God? in your decision-making process? Is there a desire to be even led by him and do what he wants you to do? Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it is impossible, impossible to please God. Uh-oh. We aren't pleasing to God when we're not walking by faith. You don't just put, you don't just like get salvation by faith, but you're called to, we're called to walk by faith. So without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone um, who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. The reward in God's will is Jesus that we get a relationship with Jesus and there's a reward when we're seeking after God. So it's how, how, how are we making decisions? I don't know about you, but there's times I really wish God would just give me a blueprint, right? Give me the manual. I get so stressed over the big decision. Could you just, God, you're powerful. You were created the universe. Could you just speak through Siri and let me just ask what I'm supposed to do and which way I'm supposed to turn. We want the blueprint, but God wants a relationship. God wants a relationship with you. That's why he sent his son, Jesus. So you could have, um, so you, it's what Jesus said, this is eternal life so that you would know God, not just get to heaven, but to have a relationship with God. That's what he's offering. That's what he wants for you. And so he, in our decision-making process, a big part of knowing his will is, are we operating in a relationship with God? Not just occasional transactions. If God gave you, or if God gave me a blueprint, then he would never really hear from us. And unfortunately, as it is now, for most of us, 
He only hears from us when we're in trouble or when we need something, when we're wondering what his will for our lives is. And do you think that's why he sent Jesus? Just so we could come to him on our own terms? No, it's talking about Romans chapter 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so there could be a, a continual, consistent, um, getting rid of the thoughts of the world and putting the word of God in our heads and our hearts. Coming and, right, yes, Jesus, I wanna bring this decision before you, but I wanna come before you every day because I know you've, made a, you've given me the opportunity for a relationship with you. It's faith. It's a relationship that's essential in our decision-making process. Is there a relationship with Jesus in your life? Or do you just acknowledge him occasionally and then go do your own thing? Thanks so much, God, for the salvation. Thanks so much, God, for making me feel better about myself. Thanks so much for forgiving me of my sins. I'm gonna go and do my own thing. I don't really need you. I got this. I can figure this out. It's not that hard. And, and by the way, I think my plans are better than your plans anyway. Where's the faith in that? God's... You know, yesterday, Independence Day. That's what parents are trying to get their kids to be more independent. Pay your bills, move out of the house. Can I get an amen? Maybe not. Especially if your kid's here, you might not wanna to yell too loud. But God's saying, no, I want, I want my children to be dependent on me. I wanna lead them to further dependence. So it's faith that pleases the heart of God. Um, huge scripture for this is John chapter um, four, it's right after Hebrews. What we were just, Hebrews six that I was just reading. I'm sorry, I said John, I meant James. Uh, James chapter four. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go do this or that, we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, why? you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist or a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Be careful if you just say, we're gonna do this our own way. We're gonna do our own thing. We're gonna chart our own course. He said, instead, you ought to say, if, the, if it's the Lord's will, we will live. It's not up to us if we live or not, amen? We're not promised tomorrow, so if it's the Lord's will, we'll live, we'll make it another day and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag, or as it is, you turn your back on God, or as it is, you think you're good enough to do it your own way. As it is, you tell God in your mind, in your thoughts, in the way you make decisions, you don't need him. As it is, you boast and brag, and all such boasting is evil. Is there faith in your life, a relationship in your life? It's faith that moves the heart of God. Last few things, you can write these down and then you can chew on them later. Um, point number one, character trumps our circumstances. Point number two, faith um, is what moves the heart of God. Point number three, whatever. Whatever. You wanna know what God's will for your life is? Whatever. You're stressing over a big decision? Whatever. It's whatever you do. 
It's essential to the passion movement. There's no separation between the sacred and the secular. It's all as believers in Jesus meant to be sacred because our lives, right? We're offering our whole bodies. And so Colossians 3.17 says, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of God, whatever you do. And that, that, that word so freeing, is it not? That we can, God's giving us the opportunity. He's given his choice. He's saying, if you can do that and glorify me while doing it, then go for it. It, it, It's like if this is a dream in your life, a passion that he's given you, something he's gifted you with, or a talent that you have, and you want to follow that, find something that you enjoy, whatever you do, if you can glorify God while doing it, the pressure's off. So whatever... You do. Point number four, seek godly counsel. Proverbs 15, 22, this is essential. Um, with many advisors, plans will succeed. And it also in there doesn't say there's an age limit on needing advice or needing counsel. Even our pastor, I, even in this last week, he was telling me about a call he had with our board, asking their input. It's like Louis Giglio needs advice. I'm like, I want his advice all the time. I've seen it so freeing in my life to be under authority and under leadership and to seek out a pastor to speak into me, seek someone that's older than me, wiser than me, that you know, is ahead of me in life, that would give me godly counsel. I'm like, Louis needs that? Of course he does. We all need people speaking into our lives. We all need counsel. So who is it for you that you're seeking out that you're giving access, that you're asking for their input. And I also just say, be careful who it is because you want it to be godly counsel. There could be counsel that's more poisonous and harmful. So find people that will fill you with the faith and the hope of Jesus. Number five, I wish I had more time and I don't. We're about to wind down. I got 45 minutes left. So just hang with me. Where there is opportunity, there is most the time adversity. Knowing God's will for our life and walking is it, and it doesn't mean everything's gonna be easy. In fact, it's usually the opposite. And unfortunately, way too many of us, I meet way too many Christians that just bail out and use God as a cop-out, God's will as a cop-out when the going got tough. With God's will, there will be sacrifice. There will be headwind. There will be challenges. And so just because you're coming up against a little pressure doesn't mean you need to bail out and that you're not in God's will. With opportunity, there's adversity. And usually the greatest opportunities come with the greatest adversity. When we have the chance to make our lives count the most, it's when the devil's gonna wanna attack us with all he's got. First Corinthians 19.6, Paul, he said, I'm gonna stay in Ephesus for a wide door of effective service has been opened to me. Now that's how we wanna make decisions, right? It's just a wide door's been open. It's easy. Anybody can walk through that. It's just really, really clear. But then he said, and 
there are many adversaries. So I'm going to do this because there's a great opportunity, but it's also because there's a lot of adversity. And I'm going to keep walking that way because I believe that's how God is leading me. And then lastly, work with all your heart now. You hope God has big dreams, big plans for you. Situations will change. Circumstances will shift around. That you'll get in a spot where you're really thriving and you're satisfied, fulfilled. Like, okay, this is how God wired me. This is what he wanted for me. It starts with working with all your heart right now. Where has God put you now? Who has he put you around now? You're in a dead end job or you have to show up somewhere tomorrow that you hate or around people that really bring you down. Well, think about how you could add to the environment and just instead of being owned by the environment. Think about how you can show up tomorrow and give it all you got and contribute and not just walk away at the end of the day beat down because you're back to the same old thing that you hate. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do it with all your heart. So it doesn't say, hey, just when you find the best thing or something you really enjoy or something you're passionate about or something that feels good to you, then do it with all your heart. It says, no, whatever you do as Christians, we're called to give it all we've got. And do it with all of our heart. I think, and I've seen that tends, doors tend to open more frequently for those who are working. Amen? God likes to work with people who are working. That are going for it. And then doors will start opening and you'll find his will. So those six things hopefully will be a good foundation for you. As it, what it says in the scripture, then, verse two of Romans 12, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, his perfect will for your life. That's my prayer for you, Passion City Church, that this wouldn't just be some talk on Sunday but that you would be able to experience the fullness on this earth. Yes, fullness is coming in heaven when we're in the presence of Jesus and surrounded by the saints. But Jesus came and he said, I've come so you can have life to the full. And I believe that starts now. And I'm praying that you would be able to get to a point in your life where you could see that God's plans for you are good. So trust him and follow him. You would get to the point where you could say, yes, God's plan and his will for me is pleasing or other translations say acceptable. I believe God's put in all of our hearts a desire as his children to please our, our parents. And there's freedom when we know they're proud of us. And that's what it's talking about there. If we, his will, when we are experiencing it as children of God, we would be like, this feels right because it's pleasing to God what I'm doing and how I'm living, where I'm walking, it's pleasing to him. And then complete or perfect. I believe the best vantage point we have for God's will on our life is looking back and seeing his faithfulness, seeing his hand at work, seeing the way he's used the highs and the lows, the good and the bad to bring us to where he has us in the current day. And then we can all look back and say, okay, God, 
that was your will. That's what you were doing. That's why I went through that. That's why that happened for me, to me. I know that's been my story. You know, for me, I, I don't really like to talk about it on stage in front of a bunch of people. But my family went through a very, very challenging divorce when I was seven years old. And the collateral of that, it, you know, I don't, I, a bunch of people have this story, but the collateral of that has, has been challenging and it still continues to be. And I often wonder if I could go back to when I was seven year old, years old and I had the opportunity to change it and make it different or that would have changed or that wouldn't have happened. Would I have? I'm like, sure, I would have hoped for the pain not to happen to people and some of the continued struggle, people's life to be different. But I also see how God's been faithful and he, he's used that to make me who I am and to put me where I am. And I know I, I've seen so many times I've been able to speak into situations and counsel people and encourage people because even as a younger guy, what I've been through, I've been able to counsel older people because it's just my vantage point and what I've been through. And so I, I wouldn't go back. I wouldn't ask him to change it all because I've seen his good, his pleasing and his perfect will at work in my life. And that allows me to trust him with my future.